T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Don't stress. Listen to the podcast at WTIC.com or on the free Odyssey app. Yes, it's WTIC. So I got an email from Matt. My email address, Todd at ToddTalk.com. He says the high desert of Colorado in New Mexico. That's the place to live. Long, warm, dry summers and short, dry winters. Very few rainy days and few bugs. Few bugs! Roland said to me, there's tons of bugs in Florida. Rudy didn't mention that. I don't know if that's true. I know they've got crocodiles and, or alligators or whatever those things are. And I guess there's uh, things crawling around on four legs, which it doesn't bother me so much, those little lizardy things. Bugs, though, I, I really feel that land without bugs, that's something we might forget to itemize if we were, if we were talking about the dream spot to retire and just enjoy the weather. My brother moved to Colorado. I mentioned this uh, yesterday. He moved to Colorado a couple of years ago. Loves it. Doesn't understand why we stay here in the Northeast. But I would feel out of place, I think. I, I, would, I would need preparation before going to New Mexico or Colorado. I, I'm addicted to being near the beach. It's, it's not that I have to go to the beach. I just like living near the beach. I like knowing it's there. You can take a little ride and go. And somehow you're connecting to the forces that drive existence when you see those waves coming. Connects you. You know, like sitting by the fire just makes you feel good. Makes you feel good because uh, there's something primal there that's just excellent, you know? You want to have a little fire going with uh, graham crackers and marshmallow and Hershey bars melting and you want to be able to go to the beach the mountains and that other stuff don't do it for me but the weather sounds good I admit the weather sounds good I don't like winter though that's just uh, my profile on the seasons and how weather should be 860 Yes, indeed. There's not much going on in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, but Mark Christopher will find some trouble for us, won't you, Mark? It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, yes. WTIC, thanks for being here. 860 522 9842. 
And if you want to phone in a rant, call 751-4698. Joining us right now is one of the young, liberty-minded people. We are developing a pool of people to talk about small government, no government, all these concepts that seem to me to be the only answer to the oppressive, plundering, destructive, hateful, big government, the communist-style, Soviet Union, Fidel Castro-type government that Ned Lamont and and um, Joe Biden are delivering. And, and the Republicans are in on this, too. Joining us now, Benjamin Seavers. He is a young, liberty-minded guy who is a, um, a person who wants no government. And that's where I'm leaning these days as well. Ben, welcome back. Hey, thank you for having me back, Todd. Is it okay to call you Ben? Do you go by that, or is it just Benjamin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, Ben. That works. A lot of people now are strict about you have to say the whole name. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> it's weird. I don't understand how that happened. You know, it used to be, that's one of the nice things. I like names with lots of nicknames, and people don't want you to call them their nicknames. So you are a uh, senior in college at Grove City College in Pennsylvania, where you're studying economics, which seems to go hand in hand with this small government mentality. And we're, we're just talking about uh, a discussion going on at the state capitol in Connecticut over legislation that would legalize assisted suicide and i was saying to the audience you know well that sounds great except for government having to make any rules like let's just legalize suicide i wanted to find out what your argument would be on that yeah it's a touchy issue um i personally don't think suicide is a good thing uh but in, at the end of the day it, it is a voluntary decision and some people they struggle with pain they struggle with diseases they struggle with a lot of uh terrible things and for some they might they might believe that they might take the best judgment to be that to be to and and their life and it's, it's a, something that a lot of people struggle with but i'm i'm not going to pretend to be the guy who uh knows best for them but i i would i wouldn't like to see it happen but at the end of the day when the state regulates it when the state mm-hmm. eliminates options it's constricting our welfare. It's constricting our lives, and that's and they don't know best. They don't know what's the best for us. Best best for us. Also, the um, the premise of of a limited government model, whether it be the American model of government or or anarcho capitalism, which is arguing for no government because government is just too destructive to get involved with. Uh, the the premise is that our bodies are our property and therefore out of that out of that flows all of these rights to liberty the ones that are enunciated in the u.s founding documents so if we're gonna believe in that which i think you have to you have to believe in those concepts that the founders laid out uh, with regard to individual rights and god-given rights the, the the premise of all that is that we have to have ownership of everything having to do with us and therefore, how could we, how could we believe otherwise but to say people have a right to take their own lives? Yeah, uh, rights come from the the, in, the initial use of resources. So you're the first user of many things, and you could and the body could fall under that. So that that, that is this is the beginning point for all rights for all uh, human rights uh, rightly understood, and to say that someone has the right to step in to stop me from killing myself or ending my life 
is ridiculous. They, they, they have no connection to me. They have no rightful ownership over my body. To say that they, to say that they can step in and, and stop that from happening would be, would be, would be saying that they own me. And, that, and that's just completely incoherent and contrary to what we accept as Americans and what I accept as a libertarian. This uh, evolution that you've—I I assume there's been an evolution for you, or, or did you know as uh, like a small boy? Were you a toddler running around the house saying, uh, "My body, myself." What what is that slogan? My body, my my choice. My choice. <laughs> that's it. My choice. Were you running around saying that when you were a toddler? No, I was, I was more of a rule follower when I was a young kid. Uh, so but, uh, how did you get to where you are today? Well, in high school, I kind of developed a uh, conservative mindset, and I discovered free market economics. I discovered, I read economics in one lesson by Henry Hazlitt, and it just made sense to me. It, it was kind of like intellectual journey, so to speak. Um, and I just read. I mauled over the arguments in my when I was trying to sleep, when I was eating when I was, you know, doing whatever, I was mulling over these arguments, mulling over economics and uh, morality and ethics. And I think the logical conclusion, it came to be that government shouldn't exist, that you own what you first use, and that everything else should flow from that. Explain that a little bit more, that idea of you should own what you first use. What does that mean? So the idea, the idea is, that assume that uh, you, you come to a desert island. Nobody's ever been there before, uh, and there's a few other people on the island who came with you, okay? If you use a resource, if you displace it, if you occupy a territory, you own it. And this is kind of the uh, starting point of property rights, the idea of property, the idea of rights in general. Mm-hmm. It's that if, if you, if someone, if someone takes something of mine, if someone's taking something that I first use, they steal it. That's called stealing. If it was the other way, if you own what, if, you, if the last owner had a right to whatever property, to whatever resource it was, then anyone could just take anything. Theft wouldn't matter. There, there would be no such thing as property. Everything would be permissible. But that's not, that, that is incoherent. You, you, to, to say that, uh, to say that to say that would negate all of rights, would negate all of morality, would negate all of ethics. Everything would be permissible if the, the last person to uh, take a resource had a legitimate claim over it. So from there, we, kind of, we developed the idea of first use. If you first use a resource, you have ownership over it. You have a property right in that thing. So that's kind of like the, clean, the, the, the dirty way of saying all of it. But what about you if uh, if you have a culture that lives the way Native Americans lived, which was more migratory, as I understand it? They might use land for a while and then go somewhere else. What what happens then? Yeah. Um, so they didn't have, like, a concept of private property. You're right. And it, sometimes it is determined by culture, and you can uh, uh, relinquish property, rel- relinquish control over a resource. Mm-hmm. Um there's some debate among libertarians about whether or not uh, stepping over land, like what they did, uh, foraging and so on, establishes property rights over that land. But I think it does. But the, one of the more important things is they didn't 
uh, establish ownership over it. They didn't demonstrate the ownership. They took took advantage of it and moved on. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they gave it up. But demonstrably, if you look at the land, if you look at where they went and they moved to and from, it, it would seem to me like they had abandoned it. And you can abandon property that's consistent with the libertarian ethic. And abandoning property would allow for others to move in and take advantage of it. It's interesting, this uh, right, first use right. I, I'm not sure. I don't like there, there's this tendency among liberty minded people to get in arguments over what seem from the outside to be trivial semantic arguments and that the real thing that's clear is the government is a dangerous force and we want a way to work without it. So I assume that the reason why you're concerned about this issue is because you see it as logically essential to the idea of how we would exist without government. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's I think it goes down to the like if if this principle if this principle didn't matter, if this idea of first use didn't matter, mm-hmm. then the state would seemingly be permissible, would seemingly be just at least neutral, ethically neutral. But the fact is that the state has taken large swaths of land, has taken control over lo- large swaths of resources that they never used, that they didn't use first, especially. Mm-hmm. And they just exert this uh, made-up property right. Over it's the, part of over their use resources. of force against citizens. Yes. Yeah. They just take things and, they want. Yeah, they just take whatever they want. Or they don't even take it. They, they just announce, like, hey, we own the airspace over this territory. They, they mm-hmm. do this all the time. And whoever impedes on our airspace moves in. Like, you know, these Chinese balloons that are have been spotted and shot down. Whoever moves into our airspace is violating our rights, our, our national sovereignty, mm-hmm. which is completely made up. They never use they, – they, they may have. They may have sent jets out through it. But they, they don't necessarily have a claim to the airspace. They, they just announce, okay, whatever is above our land, above the land that we arbitrarily designated <laughs> as the United States, this is our airspace, all this is our land, and whoever violates it is violating national sovereignty. We're talking to Benjamin Sievers. He's a college senior, and he believes in no government as a system of governance. And uh, people always are confounded by that idea, Ben. Uh, how, how exactly – do you have a good example? I might have asked you this before, but it would be worth saying it again, of a system that demonstrates how life might work without government. Yeah, um, probably I would say the American West was a good example, the old American West. A lot of people claim it was violent and so on, full of criminals, but that's just inaccurate. Uh, the American West was actually rel- relatively peaceful. Uh, I mean, during that time, you had, of course, a civil war going on, going on out east in the eastern side of the country. And they called that the is, Wild West out there. Yeah. It was yeah, the they, Wild yeah, East. They, yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, they had private security out in the West. They had uh, cattle trains. They had uh, private uh, adjudicators. Uh, they had court systems and so on. And, of course, eventually states formed. Uh, the, the eastern, the eastern uh, United States uh, started to establish uh, states in the, in the West ter- Western territories. But for a while, it worked decently. It went very well. 
Was uh, was this a case of the government deciding that things were going too well there, and now that thing, they'd be established, that they had to force their way in? Because I grew up watching these westerns where the marshal was always uh, sent in to take control of communities that were deemed unruly, and he was having gunfights with the gunslingers. But was the true story just that the power structure wanted to kidnap um, and, and place government in control of areas that were too free? Uh, that's that's definitely likely. Uh, whenever there is uh, absence of a state, uh, states are look at that as a great opportunity to expand, capture resources, uh, establish their laws over private laws. So it's 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 expanded opportunity for getting resources, tax revenue, uh, subjugating people to basically relegate them as uh, basically ch- like slaves somewhat. Mm-hmm. So I, it, that's that's definitely likely. There's a mix of political factors that went into the centralizing uh, of the Western states. So I mean. I, Civil War was an example. I know Abraham Lincoln, when he when he was trying to pass some of his uh, amendments to the Constitution, he and laws he had uh, wanted to pass. He had formed some states out in the West. I, I can't remember the exact uh, states that he had formed, just uh, out of air, out of thin air, basically. Um, I, I can't remember which which states specifically, but that definitely contributed to the centralizing of the Western states. A lot of the political motivations, the political power, the potential for getting more senators and congressmen in uh, in yeah. Washington, D.C. There was power there to be divvied up. Ben, how do people find you online? Is there some place you want to point them? Yeah, uh, I have a Twitter, official Seavers, S-E-E-V-E-R-S, and I have a Mises.org uh, writer's profile. So I have a few articles on there. Go on Mises, M-I-S-E-S dot org and search uh, Benjamin Seavers, S-E-E-V-E-R-S. All right, Ben, thank you for being here once again. I enjoy our conversations. Yeah, likewise. Have a nice day. Take care. Ben Seavers, college kid, already has figured out that uh, the government has no no business existing. I like that attitude. Fred in Middletown. Hi, Fred. Hello, Fred. All right, we seem to have lost Fred. Let's try Caroline in Old Lyme. Hello, Caroline. Hi there. What's on your mind? Well, I'm calling to let you know that um, I I favor, in some cases, assisted suicide, and I'd like to tell you why. Um, in 2016... Let me just boy- warn you, we've got like 45 seconds right now, so if, if that's okay with you, uh, I'll put you on hold and um, yeah. hold you over. Is that good? Yeah, that would be fine. Okay. But 2016, uh, my boyfriend was diagnosed with um, incurable cancer, and they gave him a choice. You could have chemotherapy, and you might exist for two to three months. Mm -hmm. or no chemotherapy, and you might live two to three weeks. So the last five days of his life... Hang on a sec. That's a good tease. Let's hold everybody in suspense. I want to find out what happened. This sounds like a good story for... A sad story, but a good one for considering um, assisted suicide, I guess. 
So we'll talk more with Caroline after we get a news update. And first, we'll go to Mark Christopher in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark, still empty on the roads? Miss something. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. On the Todd Feinberg Show, don't stress. Listen to the podcast at WTIC.com or on the free Odyssey app. Yes, WTIC, thanks for being here. We're talking to Caroline from Old Lyme, and it was your boyfriend who was sick? Yes, he was 59 years old, uh, 50, 57 days before he passed away. He was diagnosed with cancer all over the place. And that's a story for another day. Uh, doctors missed the whole thing. Anyway, um, five days before he passed, uh, the doctor wanted to see him. So I took him back into the hospital, and they would not let him go home. Um, he wanted to go home, but they absolutely refused to let him go home. And so he ended up on the top floor in ICU, and uh, they, the doctors, doctors wanted to know uh, how long it would be before we could get family here. He had three grown sons all in the Navy. One was on a boat and one was in California. One was down south. Mm-hmm. And we said probably we checked in up to five days to get everybody here to the hospital. So uh, so he's in ICU. On the second day, they began to induce a coma and started a morphine drip. On the Third day, they they gave him the last rites. On the fourth day, they said, "What's going on here? Where are his sons?" And they had trouble. One had to get picked off a boat out. Oh, in the you sea. skip the details on that stuff yeah. and get to the okay. the dynamic okay. of them interfering with his rights. Exactly. So uh, so, um, but he agreed. He he didn't want to live any longer. He was in such pain. He said, "Please help me." And nobody said, we're going to, you know, put you in a coma, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But they managed his care for five days uh, until they thought the kids would all be in to see him. And on the fifth day, he passed away. 
And uh, I believe, you know, his whole body shut down because of the morphine drip. So what did that leave you with in terms of uh, your understanding of how corrupt and uh, illegitimate that kind of treatment, that kind of approach? It's so um, without regard for the rights of the individual. Yeah. Well, other than he said, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to live. I'm in too much pain. Um, I, I, I couldn't see, you know, the parallel there than the transfer to. Well, okay, then, you know, we'll, we'll uh, slowly kill you. <laughs> but, but they essentially kidnapped him too because they, they had him come in without telling yep. him they were going to keep him, and, yep. and that he, they right. weren't going to let him go home. How do you feel about that? Well. I don't I don't think I don't think it's right. I think it's way beyond, uh, you know, infringing on our rights and liberties. However, in his case, if we had brought him home for the last five days of his life, I I can't imagine more than the most miserable, horrific pain. Sure, but you uh, got you I, you could have called hospice in and, and you could have dealt with it. Uh, and uh, they denied you that privilege, which just sounds horrible. I'm sorry I've got to hold you right there because we've got another break to get to, but thank you for the call. 860-522-9842. And Caroline, thank you for sharing that story because that's a powerful story. Mark Christopher is in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. It is quiet on the roads. Give us an update, Mark. Now back to the Don Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. All right, thanks for being here. It wasn't that bad, the storm, was it? Let's talk to Mark in West Hartford. Hey, Mark. Hey, first I want to say I feel really bad for that last call. I'm sorry you had to go through that experience. It was terrible. It um, is. You know, talking about hospice, and first of all, I want to tell you, <laughs> my observation, what I witnessed in my life, as far as medical personnel, nobody is more underappreciated or underpaid and palliative care personnel. If they're, mm-hmm. I don't even know how they do it. I, honest to God, if, if anybody's ever seen it, you know what I'm talking you about. You mean because they're it. around such sorrow? It's just, it's yeah. But but they're, they're, they're literally in a different mind frame. I mean, if you've ever witnessed or talked to them, they're almost like on some other level where I don't know if it's spiritual. I don't know if it's training. I don't know what it is. But I, I just want to preface what I'm about to say okay. with that. So. So getting to palliative care and hospice care, I believe, and I've always believed this since I got to know what it, what it was, is like it is a form of assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really say it, but morphine, e- even in a healthy body, if you're on daily doses of it, depending on the dose, of course. But what happens is with hospices, you're getting the morphine, and as the doses increase and your body's decaying, eventually one of those doses is going to, not all of them, but eventually one of those doses is going to, is going to do you in. You're, you're, and I don't know why we don't, we don't discuss it more or incorporate it in this. Well, I think it's because for a, for a long time, the medical profession has just had to deal with this quietly because there's no official recognition of it. So nobody wants to bring it up. I, I think if we got someplace in between, I don't know how you would do it. I mean, I was thinking like a time frame. Okay, obviously, you've agreed to this care. You've agreed to have 
comfort drugs or medications, as they'll call them, morphine. I think that if you got to a point and said, listen, if I go beyond day seven, that's it. Day eight, I, I, I just I don't want to be lingering like that. I don't want to do it myself. I don't want my family and friends to go through it, even if you're by yourself and you're, and you're old. You should be able to have that decision. But we need to get somewhere in between because I'm telling you, hospice from what – and maybe you can have a hospice – I don't know who you would call. Maybe a representative would come on and discuss what I, I make claims of. Maybe they're going to feel differently or say no. This yeah, guy's but, nutty but, for even saying that. Excuse me, Mark. Isn't what you're identifying just that it's really none of the government's business, that these are deeply personal decisions? And the idea of creating a law that uh, controls it is just missing the point. These are things for families to do on their own. Yeah, and and totally not for in government. Agreement. So if you just get rid of the laws and say these are personal decisions, then it's uh, everybody can do what they've been doing, but they don't have to hide it and they don't have to sneak around. Todd, you couldn't have had better timing about talking about creating some third party. If government, if we, I mean, it's almost daily that you know, you know how I felt about just reading this article or this bill that they're proposing for interpreters it's just every day they're presenting something that just i, I i'm telling you i go uh, bat poop crazy is the only expression i got and, well, it, and nobody's questioning it they are proving the point of how horrible and uncontrollable government is and why the only natural conclusion the void in the the political marketplace is for people to understand that the reason everything is so screwed up is because these guys are power junkies and our money and our rights are the the uh, heroin that keeps them going and we've just got to draw the line and say you can't be uh, getting your highs off of us anymore so I guess I'll ask you one more time if you could reach out I, I'm hoping somebody is listening and maybe even might call in but I'd love to hear from somebody from hospice and their feelings, okay. you know, about, about that. Yeah, so it's a, it's thanks, a great Todd. idea. Thank you, Mark. Good to talk with you. 860-522-9842. Joining us right now, Red Janky from the-red-line.com. We'll take more phone calls coming up. Sorry to keep you waiting, Red, but we got a uh, we, were, we were talking about this assisted suicide stuff from the perspective of uh, being a free society and. Nobody's ever really come to terms with those things before. Yeah, they're difficult issues, to be sure. Um, the um, just who has the right? Uh, I I have nothing re really of um, to add. Well, fine then. The Don't talk about it. Move on to something else. What did you yeah. want to talk about? Um, well, your last caller just mentioned almost as an aside this uh, this new right that is to be. Extended to um, uh, immigrants who do not speak English, uh, who have children in the school system, and now there's a bill that is being um, has been labeled the uh, English Language Learners Parents Bill of Rights, and the right is that they are to be given a state-funded translator. For their uh, their interactions with uh, the school at which they're um, so you obviously attend. support this idea that that uh, parents of 
kids who've been brought into the country without knowing how to speak English, they have a right to have um, to have translators provided by the schools or the state or what have you, so that oh, they I'm can a understand. huge supporter, of course. I figured you would be. Yeah. Um, doesn't anyone ever assess the cost of this? It, it's just as your your prior caller said, it's just mind-boggling. Uh, let me offer a contrast. There are two nations on this earth who have, as a percent of their native populations, larger immigration programs than we do in this country, Canada and Australia. They run what are called point systems. Their immigration uh, agencies are, in fact, large manpower recruitment agencies. They need the workers. They want workers. They want immigration. Your first qualification is you speak English. If you don't speak English, they don't admit you, period. The second qualification is your age. You must be at least 20 and under 50. Why is that? They don't want to bear the cost of educating kids. Well, they want to get, uh, oh, of educating kids. Yeah, they want to get productivity out of you. And, yeah, and, and uh, they don't want an any, anyone over 50 because they're going to get fewer years of work than, than years on the national retirement system. This only makes sense. This is the kind of system we should have in this country. But but it's not really about the practical argument, is it? It's it's that the the, the people who are pushing this, Ned Lamont, is part of a cabal who are perfectly happy to to reap any destruction on the society that they can, as long as they're buying votes by doing it. So, yeah, so I we, mean, we can't counter it with a with a good government argument when their their goal is to squeeze every cent of personal gain out of public policy they can. It it is. Um, uh, I'm not sure that that um, Ned is quite. Um, able of strategizing in that fashion. No, but the people who advise him, the the consultants of the left, this is the game plan for Democrats in general. They have figured out and reached a point at which being a political party is just a mercenary thing. They've realized they can use tax dollars as a vote-rigging scheme, and that's what every public policy now executes. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are a couple of large um, categories under which this falls. One of them is the Democratic Party's uh, rallying cry that uh, demographics is destiny. In other words, they're looking to recruit, as you point out, um, illegal immigrants, um, people who will come to this country and be dependent on government, and therefore, they, as Democrats, can um, feed the dependency and earn the allegiance of those people. Yes, and part of that is to make sure that what you, the the policy true. that you're devising will be as expensive as possible, so that 
you uh, will until keep... it isn't. Until it isn't, Todd. I mean, this this is you know the analogy was uh, in in one article I read this week on on the broad category of 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 affordability and sustainability, not of the environment, but our of our fiscal and financial condition nationally. We're like the roadrunner who runs off the cliff and keeps running and finally looks down. And as he looks down with thousands of feet below him, um, he drops like a rock. Well, that doesn't matter. That's where that's we're not, headed. But that's we're not running. part of their Ned thinking. Ned Lamont and the if Democrats the, are running off the cliff. Yes, but Red, if, if you're... If the political party's game plan is to not think beyond two years from now, because that's when the next yes. election is, then all yes. they're looking to do is buy the next election. And they can't predict how long until the thing crashes. But that'll be somebody else's problem. You're precisely right. It's, it's, it, um, it boggles the mind that um, the citizenry of this state doesn't understand, and the citizenry of this country doesn't understand that good intention has also to work and be affordable. Well, these aren't good intentions. These are all bad intentions. They all live on good intention. No. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could provide translators for these poor Immigrants well, that, that's who, pre- immigrant that's parents who don't speak the language so they can <laughs> but, but that's pretend good intentions. Kids. Don't credit them with good intentions when they're pretend good intentions, when they're well, posing. Well, well, well I'll, I'll make a distinction. One is uh, I'll grant you that many Democrats are very conniving and it's it's faux good intention, but really vote buying. But. The people they buy the votes from with these, uh, with this gestalt, this this mm-hmm. feeling of good intention, probably believe this is a good thing to do. Well, of do. course they do, because right. they're part. Right. They're, they're the ones enjoying the voters, government largesse. Not, not not the ones who actually benefit, get the specific benefit. They used to be called back in the day limousine liberals. There are a lot of them down here in Fairfield County. Sure. And they think it's just good. We should support this. This is good. This is good-hearted. Yes. Um, these they are very confused. But if they should, could open their minds a, right. a little bit and do some thinking, it would turn out differently. Red Janky, thank you, sir. The-red-line.com is where you can find Red. The-red-line.com. Dot com. We've got rants coming up. We've got phone calls coming up. More conversation coming your way. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.